this one um experience was so inviting and tickling of all of those senses and the whole body and it kind of reminded me of why Doglando existed in the manner that they did and you know one of the sayings of getting your hands dirty um really kind of symbolizes an adult having to you know dig in and and get the work done and we don't really want to get our hands physically dirty but today on Canine Connections you're going to hear a wonderful story about Tina uh, her her wonderful son Nayland and their doggy Irie out in the red clay sands in in northern Georgia and how Nayland and Irie both get dirty so we talk about boundaries we talk about kind of learning from from tactile experiences and I also want to preface Tina is joining us in this particular episode from a coffee shop so the internet connection is a little sketchy and you might hear some birds there's some really high power um, exhaust uh, cars starting outside on the front porch so just bear with us but I I really hope you enjoy this uh, podcast and we thank you so much for listening we'll talk to you soon Hello and welcome back to Canine Connections with Tina Patel, and I'm hanging out with you today. My name is Tom. We're joined with the amazing Takim, the audio engineer extraordinaire behind the magic. And as some of you may remember, Tina and Nalen, her son, they're on an epic journey in the southeastern portion of the United States right now. Tina decided to embark on this journey to offer Nalen, well, an amazing learning experience uh, consisting of discovery time mom and son time, fishing time, we can't forget that, boating time, and some nature time. So they've had some amazing experiences so far, and this podcast today is to help kind of bring you guys up to speed. So, um, well, I I want you to also know we've drawn some interesting parallels with Tina's work of canine enrichment at Dog Lando, and I want to share some of those experiences. Well, actually, Tina's going to share them. I'm going to help her guide us through some of these experiences. So without any further ado, I don't know if I said that right. Adieu? Did I say that? It sounds good, Takim, right? Mm-hmm. We'll, go, we'll, we'll go with sounds that. Sounds good. So, <laughs> Tina, where in the world are you guys? Um, Takim sent me an email and a text and said not to be in a coffee shop. <laughs> and I am at a coffee shop. <laughs> in I'm not really sure where this is in uh, somewhere around Westminster, South Carolina. South Carolina. Okay. And so you, you just, I think your, your previous uh, location, what you were in, uh, what, upstate Georgia, northern Georgia? Northern Georgia, yeah, uh, in the um, mountains. So kind of, I think... Georgia mountains. Yes, yeah, the foothills uh, to the Appalachians, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yes. Do, yep, you, yep. Do, do you see foothills or are there mountains or... Yes, you do. It's, um, wow. Uh, you know, one of the things that have happened, um, people say I'm articulate or describe how I speak as articulate and descriptive. And I think I have been significantly challenged in that regard. Um, I've never thought of myself as that, but if that is how I have landed on for others, I think I am severely challenged through this trip because I don't have the language or the words for describing um, just the experiences um, that we've, we are experiencing and the places we've been to. Um, 
it's they're all so different and so uh incredible and um I think to make space in our um living to be to become enveloped by existence in this way is crucial to um finding our journey i don't know what that means to others but that's what comes up for me and um yeah so north georgia was very nice <laughs> that's all i've got <laughs> so, well i think one of the the most remarkable things from my my memories of north georgia is there's there's a really distinct color to the clay and especially around a lot of the waterways and sometimes when you're driving yeah. uh down the highway you'll you'll see this you know coming from Florida you'll see this clay yeah. that is really vibrant and rich and red and yeah. incredibly messy if you get it on your on your jeans um so oh it's all over us all over <laughs> our camper all over right. our car everywhere right and so one of the things that caught my attention as I'm following you on this journey um, is, you know, I pay attention to every post you put up on Facebook and I love some of the sunsets. Um, I have, I have loved, and we're going to talk about this a little bit, uh, later, in, uh, in the podcast. I have loved the imagery of Naylan with, uh, the older gentleman at the picnic table. And, um, uh, I can't wait to mm -hmm. talk about that. But, um, what, what really struck me was a photo of Naylan on the banks. And it was like, looked like it was going into a, maybe a, a river or a, or a tiny lake. And lake, Lake Tulula. Okay, and it, it looked beautiful, and he was living his best Nalen life. And the quote that, that, I, that I took from you, and I, I did give you quote marks around it, so um, <laughs> this is directly from Tina. As I watched Nalen slide down the mudslide, my thoughts were filled with images of all the dogs that have come into my life through Dog Lando who taught me the ease was intact in the cleanup and the real work was in convincing their human parents to allow them and let them be. And I, I found that to be very profound because knowing you for a while and some of the discussions that we've had, I mean, I want our audience to picture Naylan and he, he was pretty clean when he was at the top of that, uh, top of that slide. He was, you know, probably showered recently. <laughs> he looked really presentable. And he just wanted to slide through that red mud all the way down to the water. And the smile on his face, the look on his face. And Tina, explain that moment to me. Like, what was going through your head? Let me set the scene for you first, um, which is very difficult to do through a post on social media like that. So we started off at um, Tallulah Gorge State Park. And we went and saw the gorge, which is magnificent, and went hiking and saw the beautiful falls, um, several falses that are there. And of course, uh, Naylan and I are both very much drawn to water. Um, and he more than I, I would say, because he will not hesitate at all getting in there. And so he's looking at this falls, um, this inviting uh, landscape of water, and he says, but I want to go down there. I want to go into the water. And there was no way. You know, we, I asked several people, is there any way to get down to the gorge? Is there any way to get to the falls? There were a few falls we could have hiked to, but that would have got us about 30 to 40 feet to the falls, but not in the water. 
So I said, let's let's go for a car ride. I feel like we should just go for a car ride and we should just explore our, on our own because we're looking for things different than what others are. So if we're asking them um, with a different perspective in mind, they won't understand, they won't know. We need to look for it for ourselves. So we got in the car, started driving, and I was just, you know, led by my intuition in which direction we go to. And we came across, we had no idea it even was there. Um, but Lake Tallulah, which is magnificent. And there was this beautiful open body of water parked on the side of the road, went down the cliff, and um, nobody there. And there's this uh, dense forest landscape around the lake. And I don't know if they excavated this hill or mound, which I guess they could have done it, uh, but it would have been a very huge area because it was done all around the lake or if that was just a natural um, mound of clay dirt. But we walked around there and at first um, we started off just looking for fishing lures and hooks because the water obviously is quite um, low this time of the year and it's perfect to find different lures and hooks that people have lost, you know, that, that got stuck in the fabric or the um, rocks that, that um, are on the edge of sure. the, the water source. So we started off that way, and to watch Irie was marvelous. She, Irie she being your, your, your doggo. The dog, right. yeah. And she took off and hit, like, she just, she was Nalan, and Nalan was her. So if you wanted to describe human characteristics in a dog, I guess you would use Nalan to describe Irie. And if you wanted to describe Nalan's behavior and use dog characteristics, you know, it would work both ways. It was so magnificent. And she just, she just, it was like watching two people who could not concentrate on where to begin, what to do, where to skip. Like it was just so, um, it looked all over the map, but it wasn't busy. It wasn't erratic, but the amount of space they covered and made contact with, you know, it was, um, it, it was amazing. And so she's, you know, just drifting um, around and nose to the ground and would find a spot and dive into that and roll into that. And then a few rolls later, get up somewhere else, like stand up, shake it off, nose to the ground. And that just repeated over and over for hours. Okay. She turned from a black dog to this red clay dog. And it was everywhere, all over her. Not one body part. In fact, her fur literally looked um, uh, um, brown-ish in color, you know. Um, but you can see any black and that little bit of white she has was obviously not white anymore, but just, just the time of her life. And then I saw her um, on the other side of this tree that fell down and has now taken form of a drift tree, so to say. And because it's still a tree, um, like the whole, the whole piece of it, it's not pieces of wood. Um, but it sits in the water and it started taking this form of driftwood or look of driftwood. And she went under it and then just plopped down and sat and just stared at the water. And I have so many videos of her doing this. As though she is a human just sitting there watching the ripples, gentle ripples in this water um, caused by the wind. And you can, all you see is her little nose twitching, you know, left to right, left to right. And she's just taking in every odor, particle of scent that she can, she can capture. And she sat there in that position 
I didn't time her, but probably for about 35 to 40 minutes. Wow. Not even moving from that position and just looking, just looking right in front of her. So then um, I'm watching Naylan and see all this behavior is just evolving. The longer time you spend it, it, in an environment, it just evolves, you know? Um, and so he started off collecting these lures and then he was walking towards closer to the water, more to, off the bank and closer to the water. And he, his feet got pulled in, kind of like what sinking sand does. Right. So this cling just, you know, pulled his feet in. And that was a pivotal point for this, the, his behavior evolving and taking form into the next thing he was going to do. And so now he's got mud up to his knees, but, and he still had his crocs on. So as he's trying to pull his feet out, his crocs were making this sound, you know? And he got a kick out of that. So he started doing more of it. And then he pulled his crocs out, threw them off, and jumped back into the hole that his two feet created. And that created this, like, suction farting type of sound. (laughs) And oh, my God. Every boy's dream. (laughs) (laughs) good way of putting it and so and the funny thing is it is it is such a boy thing because he has um several books on farts and poop (laughs) who doesn't and (laughs) my whole library is actually no never mind so he he would make these different sounds and he would say well what, what what is that one called and and there's this part called silence goodbye and then there's this other part like all these different names you know so he's just naming all these sounds, which, you know, resemble the fart sounds of the book that he has. Oh, it was so fun. And so by now, it's really, it's all over him. And um, as we walk a little further, and everything he had collected, everything I had collected along the way, we've just made little piles. You know, none of it is in one spot. It's not like all our belongings are there. It's just in these random spots as we get further and further. And there was this slope. And... It, um, I could barely stand on top of the stove. It was like, oh my gosh, it's so easy to fall right through. And yeah, um, he started at the very base of it and kind of just slid in. And he, it was as though he was testing and um, uh, like it was as though he was testing his entry and creating this gateway. Like if this was a human, it is entering a relationship in such an intimate way, you know, but you're going, um, you're just testing it out to see how far you can go. And so he's having this relationship with the soil and the water and just this whole thing around him. And he got higher and higher up onto the, the um, hill, the mound. And then a few moments later, which is probably now 30 minutes or so into it, it, it turned into how many different ways could you slide down this mound and land in the water? And then he started naming those. And it was backwards, and doing roly-polies and flips and jump. You jump and then you land on your butt in all these different ways, you know? So there's so many different angles we can look at this particular um, um, form of existence to behaviorally, we may ask um, and recognize the importance of um, 
those kind of motor skills, use of your entire body, just to see him maneuver through this thick mess. And it, it's sticky. It, it, it completely holds you together. And there was a point when he first started, he had to use a stick to get up that mound. And he got to the point where he figured if he just took his toes in, of both feet and poked them in an angle... As he climbed up, he was actually climbing that mound vertically by the end of it without hands or anything, you know? So physically, in terms of motor skills, in terms of use of your whole body, tactile experience, I mean, what a development and what a what an amazing experience for his whole body, his soul, his mind, you know, the whole the whole thing um, that makes up his his, his um, self, his, his identity, his, you know, his, his uh, existence. So, so cool. And I'm watching this. And I'm thinking about um, whether you want to look at it through the lens of behavior, psychology, mental health, emotional health, physical health, you know, nutritional health, any, any of the uh, elements that we discuss when we talk about the hierarchy of needs, in specific Dog Rondo's hierarchy of needs. This one um, experience was so inviting and tickling of all of those senses and the whole body. And it kind of reminded me of why Dogrando existed in the manner that they did. And it took me back to the earlier days where I had such a difficult time because it was such a radical approach. I had such a difficult time. I mean, we still do, but not nearly as difficult or challenging as it was when we first started in having people understand why this was more important than anything else their dog needed. So um, it reminded me of, um, you know, back in the day, uh, one of the, the presences Dog Lando had in our community was we were known for working with some of the most challenging and difficult dogs and so-called turning them around. And um, I did not like that. I did not like to be. I did not like to be um, recognized for that um, because that's not what we were doing and that's not what our intention was and why we existed and it took people away from understanding why they were having those challenges anyway with the dogs and why the dogs were having challenges with them living in these conditions so it was just a much harder um to have that reputation was just a much harder way to educate people because it wasn't it it, it required um attention to us as the individuals, then for the type of experiences the dogs were able to have. So it was more of, wow, you have to take your dog to Tina? No. Then you have to take your dog to Dog Lando. You know, it was really missing the whole point of it all, I felt. The other challenge was people um, really, really struggled with um, the way they identified with our work was um, reasoning with a lot of fear and fear, fear that was totally made up, you know, that was not even sensible. And as I'm watching Nehran, and I said, you know, I was thinking of all the things that stops people from allowing this to happen, what would be the one thing? And I was, it was a challenge because so many things came up for me. I've heard so many things over the years. So it was just running this reel that was like, and this and this and this, just like one million excuses. And the one most common theme um, in that situation was dirt 
and how this, this unhealthy relationship we have with getting dirty and with dirt. And, and, and I, all I could think about is how else could we synthetically and without dirt create this? Like in what other way could we do this, you know? And I remember throughout my childhood, there were many experiences that two particular adults, my dad and my uncle, would were very good about um, seeing things for what they are. And it would be things like, um, if it was related to dirt, they would be the ones who would say the dirt will wash off. You know, they, to them, experiences was such a big deal that everything else just didn't matter. Anything that came in its way of giving the experience did not, just should not matter. And so I was so grateful to be able to reflect back to having um, those, um, both of them um, create that type of understanding for me, or at least having the awareness that when they said things like that, that I gravitated towards it and it stuck to me, you know, throughout my whole childhood, it stuck to me. But it started meaning things in my adult life in particular when I started working through dogs, with dogs in creating a very different way for them to exist. And so as I'm watching Nilan, I, I, my mind and my heart was so full of all these um, incredible dogs who have um, come to our doors that we have been able to um, give them the opportunity to be free. And what I mean by be free is just do participate in their own healing in the way they need to be healed. You know, not for the way we see that they should be healed, not right. the way we understand it, but for the way they understand it, for recognizing their own um, uh, deprivation and enhancing those deprived states and, and creating um, uh, or richening them, you know? And that's how I felt about Naylan is when he gets into these environments, it's like he enhances his own existence by making use of whatever he has access to in no particular way um, that has to be in a certain way or even that has anything to do with me, you know? Um, and it, it, it's so, it, it was so cool. It was just so cool to, to, have, to, to have that reflection and be so... Um, it reminded me, Naylan, when he was a baby, spent a lot of time at Doglando, and um, he never crawled. You know, he went from being carried to literally one night just standing up and taking six steps. Like, he never even crawled, like, used his, what do they call it, military crawling or something, right. you know, like right. using the upper body. He this never this does that. not surprise me. And the, mo the next day when he started walking, so he, his first six steps were at 11 o'clock at night. And I thought, okay so what tomorrow morning we should just wake up to a walking running child you know like right. what, what happens right. you know is what happens i was so curious about that and sure enough the next day that's it he's just walking so i took him to doglando and i had always from the moment he started walking my uh thought was um you are now on your feet you start exploring and becoming one with the world i used to 
this is going to sound ridiculous and much like it's coming from a lunatic, but you can ask him about this and he will validate it, that I used to every day in the evenings take Naylan on a walk and cross the road. And every day we would take a different path and I would cross the um, crossing sometimes. And sometimes there was no crossing and we would just cross the road. And sometimes we would recognizing stop signs that in a matter of a week, he knew how to cross the road on his own. And he would safely be able to cross when there was no crossing versus when there was crossing versus when there was crossing at a stop sign, right? It was so cool. I, I just felt like people are so concerned about safety. But what is safety? How do we keep our children safe? Well, the moment they start walking, our responsibility in keeping them safe is giving them the tools and the know-how to use their walking skills, not to limit their walking skills. And this is something that I learned from the dogs. We don't steer their mouth. We teach them how to use their mouth. You don't tell them no bite, tell them bite, but hey, let me show you how to bite, you know? Right. Um, you don't tell them don't chew, you tell them chew, go ahead. But here's how you should chew this versus chew this versus chew this, you know? So I thought, I, I, have, to, I have to do this. This isn't about, no, don't cross the road. No, don't walk. No, don't this. No, don't run. No, don't. Man, go do the whole gamut. But I want to know that whatever mode you choose to move in, crawl, walk, slide, whatever, I don't know what, ha- what, what comes out of all of this, but whatever it is, um, have the awareness to, to navigate, you know, uh, blissfully through all of these, these um, spaces and these environments that humans have created. Uh, some may be safer than others, and some you can just walk blindly, and some, you know, you, you can't. So when it when it came to Dogrando, we have a lagoon in the sand yard, and many many days he would come, and I would literally just fill the lagoon up, and he would slide down that concrete slab into the lagoon, into the water. This is prior, you know, any swimming skills, but that's how he even learned how to swim to know how to hold his body up above water, you know, um, and he learned to just. I think that the dogs for me were um, impressed upon me so much the importance of um, none of these things really matter. Um, uh, uh, you, you know, we have a whole sand area at Dog Rondo, so people may say, well, what about these dogs getting dirty? Um, that's just a perception on what getting dirty means to you versus what getting dirty really is. It's not a permanent state. and. But what become, what is a permanent state as a result of having the ability to act in that manner, to reenact in that manner, um, that's what we're, the, the thing that is more permanent. So in other words, to limit him from experiencing this rich play, play is the word I'm using. I'm not even sure that play justifies what was happening. But what was happening in front of him or in front of us, it can be taken care of. It can all be done except for the experience itself and in one conversation i was having with somebody we met at one of the sites who said who who, who, and this happens to me quite often where people will um say things like good for you you know he's going to be he's going to like all this future stuff right and i often think about that and say I have no idea how much of this actually sticks. If we look at our own development and our, you know, our own childhood experiences, 
I remember as a child loving, loving, like being so fearless and absolutely loving roller coasters. I will never go on one as an adult. Really? So, yeah. What happened? How did this happen? You know? Um, um, and there are many such examples. And I think everybody, we can all think about that, right? So I don't know what sticks and what doesn't stick, what stays, what doesn't stay, and its impact and effect and all that stuff. And it, it, to me, it's not about the future of it all. It's about in the current state. And that's the other thing that the dogs have taught me is to seize every moment. You know, you talk about that older man I met. His name is Jacob. In our first interaction, our first encounter, um, I can't remember what we were talking about, but I do remember this part. And he said, I guess the sense you, um, he used the word dis-ease. What was the word again? Okay, so think about the word disease. Okay. Okay. But say it in a way that sounds like this. Dis-ease. Okay. What does that mean? This ease, like um, doing your work with ease. That's the way I got. That's the way I got it. And that if we don't dis-ease, if we don't conform to ease, we create disease. Interesting. Yeah. We create. No, that makes sense. Illness. Right. Okay, that's a whole other chapter to go into. To <laughs> that's really a whole other podcast, okay, you know, but no, that, that's, that's really interesting. Podcast. But the reason, the reason I bring it up here is because when people take me into the future, I have to rein it in to say, and none of that is even what matters. It's about right now. And, and that bird. At the end of the day, What's that? Yes. Yeah. And, and joy, you know, it's so important. I remember even as a child, joy and happiness being so incredibly important. No child wants to ever end or leave something they find so joyful and find so much. Yet all we are doing is seizing those moments. We spend our whole day, waking hours to night hours, um, Seizing, eliminating, reducing, limiting those moments for them that they could spend all day. And my job right now is to, the reason I'm here, with very little taking me away from it, is to not um, be taken, not be taken away from that, to, to ensure that he and Irie and everyone else that we're part of, including myself, um, have the opportunity to just fully immerse and be in that joy, you know, in that state of joy. Yeah, it, it's, <clears throat> I've been thinking, excuse me, the whole time you've been talking, when, um, when my brother and I were young, we used to go in grandma's backyard and she'd let us, for whatever reason, dig in grandma's backyard and we would dig holes to China and be literally covered and covered in dirt. The interesting thing, <clears throat> excuse me, is I don't remember cleaning myself off, but I remember digging the hole and being in the dirt. Mm -hmm. So to your point, it's these experiences that linger in our brain, those experiences that we need to continue to have. And 
let our dogs have, mm-hmm. right? Those are, those are the memories that are going to build us and, and keep us rich. And the cleanup part, that's always, you know, that's the easy part, right? It's living in the moment and, and enjoying to today. Point, and to add to that, to your point, the other thing, so for me, it was the opposite where um, I can remember many moments where the attention was brought to the cleanup part. So much so that it became so frustrating and aggravating and annoying to even get to that point. I remember I used to love art as a as a child, and um, um, my mom would always say, um, "Don't be messy. Clean it up. Keep it over here. Uh, don't put like it, the the focus, the emphasis was so much on keeping everything clean that it was heck with it. You know, like I don't even want to begin this process. Like it's just it kills the fun." And that's something that I've been so mindful of with Nayland that I never want to kill the fun. And I see that in uh, so many children, but tying this into dogs, I think that this is what I see most in dogs is killing the fun, the spirit of being a dog. And um, once we kill that spirit of being a dog and put them into obedience, you know, um, that is the killing of that spirit. You know, the, the interesting thing about uh, Nayland that I'm hearing is how much learning is actually taking place as he's getting dirty, right? The how, how else can he slide down this hill or, you know, what are the different ways he can jump up and down and get his feet stuck and make that really cool fart noise? So you see the wheels turning and, and, and it's, it's by letting them enjoy and engage and touch and feel. Um, and I remember when you and I were talking previously in, in previous episodes, you know, it's that notion of enrichment and tactile and touch and, and letting puppies feel everything around them. And that's, that is how they are learning and feel that in a natural environment. So it's just fascinating. Yeah, giving them the permission. Yeah, right. And, and it's fascinating for me to watch your boy, who is amazingly intelligent to begin with, but just watching him explore and play and get dirty, um, but make these connections. And you see, I can see the wheels always spinning in Nalen's head. So I think giving him that opportunity to do it in, in nature and just be un I don't want to say uninhibited because I don't think that's the right word, but I think. No, but nature is so inviting right. uh, for you to be that way, you know, um, and judges you when you're not. Um, yeah, that's for sure. Being that way, you know, the right. trees and the water and the mud are all looking at you when you're just not even interacting with it to say you don't belong here. But when you are, you're part of it, you know, you just, you, it, it's, it's, um, incredible well it's it's immersion and and i i know that what happens at doglando and i've seen it witnessed it it that's what you've built that's what's there is just a a place where they can be them and and live um uninhibited right get dirty run through that mud and you know i know the mentality there is that's fine we'll clean them up before they go home but they're living and they're 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 enriching themselves and they're 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 socializing you know, with the other dogs. And and we have to give them places where they can do that. There's so many places that they can't do any of that. So the question becomes, where can they then? Right. A child. Our world is made up of all the places they can't be a child. Well, then where can they? So many boundaries. Mm-hmm. So, listen, a, a question for you. And I, I, I hope... I want you to think about this one a little bit. So what do you see happening to Naylan daily as he's discovering new things like 
I was amazed I watched him pilot a pontoon boat, and I thought that was incredible. Um, or, or even spending time with wise elders. Like, do you see something happening to him, or, or are, you, are you experiencing something? Or, I mean, what, what are you observing? I'm observing how every dog, every child, every being is a pure vessel and all the contamination is the product of fitting in systems, boundaries, rejection, restraints, control, um, and that um, in that freedom, in that purity, in that vessel, this capacity for inclusion of all, these vessels are so have the ability to be so expansive. Um, as I think about your question, I in my head am not imagining Nalan as what he looks like, but as a vessel. And if it's just a container, um, there's just so much space, you know. And it's never full. And somehow there's so much harmony. As much enters, exits. And it's all happening at once. Um, it doesn't clog up, you know. Um, it's un. It's so um, unattached. And uh, I think by being unattached, it gravitates to all that is open, whether it's a human uh, place or, you know. This um, traveling through these destinations and encountering the people that we've met has really brought so much light to um, uh, how safe vulnerability really is and how unsafe it is otherwise. And then if that's true, then why do we live ourselves in this otherwise? And how come we don't live in the vulnerability? Well, because I don't think we, it goes back to that painted um, false perception that was created for us, negative idea of vulnerability, you know, like everywhere. Okay, so Brian um, on our team said to me, you know, you really need to journal, you need to, you know, I've been so behind on the Dogland of blogs and newsletters, they kind of just stopped. So I haven't done any writing or any of that in like two and a half months. And he said, I'm not even going to push you on why we need it. I'm just saying you have so much to share, so much to write about. Just write it. If we don't post it, we don't post it, but just write it. And I said, Brian, you don't understand. I can't. It just doesn't, it, it's just not flowing that way. It's just not happening that way. It's it just, it's, I guess the reason I can't is because I'm trying to fucking make sense of it all myself. Right. You know? Right. Well, let me tell you so this, much. though. I'll, I'll share this. I, it, it will come out. 
it it's not gonna it's not gonna come out on demand. Uh, you know, I, I experience a lot of the same challenge with that, where I know I need to sit down and get some stuff out, but it's still building in my brain. And 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 I think once you get to a spot where either you know it's a couple moments of silence or something, I guarantee you it'll 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 rush out. And it's that's that's the good, like that's the perfect stream because it's your brain processing all this amazing stuff that's happening. And I, I honestly think that there's, in my opinion, there's probably so much happening right now that you're absorbing and yeah. taking in that you just can't articulate it yet, but you will. And it's going to be amazing. And that's right. That's absolutely right. It's processing myself, you know? I'm, I'm going through that processing period myself, let alone trying to uh, describe it or articulate it. Or, but he had a great idea and he said, okay, so what if, since you can't journal and I, and I just started telling him all these stories and all these people and you know it, it's so cool um, I was sharing with him how at one site um, we had pulled in really late at night and Nalan went and said hi to this man who was our neighbor on the left so we had a neighbor on the left a neighbor on the right um, and he said hi to him the man said hi and then Nalan went over he wasn't on his campground he was still on ours and he said, uh, I could hear him as I was doing my setup, um, asking him questions. And then he asked him if he had any children. And I think that that might have taken the man off guard a bit. And he said, um, yes. And so Nayla said, here. And then he understood why he was asking, because the man said, no, not here. And it was um, just a few days after Halloween. So Nayla gave him some candy, and the man said, thank you. And Nayla came off. So then as I was still setting up, um, Nalan went over again and noticed that they had these lights around their campground and so Nalan said where did you get those lights from and the man responded and said go back to your campground and so Nalan said does that mean you don't want me to be here and the man said what and so Nalan said does that mean you don't want me to be here and I'm standing in the camper door okay listening to this just observing my own experience that's happening I am about to go and start war and recognizing, okay, well, that's anger. So let it pass. <laughs> and then I, I'm just watching like my own emotions, you know, ebb and flow, rise and subside. And, you know, um, and uh, then the man said, ah, and just like packed up his chair and went inside. And so Malin came back and he gave me this like really weird, like, what was that about? And I did it. I knew how I wanted to handle it. But I didn't want to handle it in that way for him, you know. So later on that night when we were getting ready to bed, uh, go to bed, and I asked him, so what was that about? He goes, I don't know. And I said, yeah, it could be so many different things. And I said, um, you know, I'm really, you taught me. I, I, tell, I tell you all the time, you're my teacher. And I want you to know that I learned from you. And he said, what did you learn? And I said, we had this conversation before and I told you I would recommend you getting, you know, being very specific. So ask them, well, is it that you don't want me to be here? And that he asked them, you don't want me to be here. And I was so amazed that he remembered and he asked. And I said, good for you. Good for you for asking. And how, what, however that conversation happened. And we kind of just, you know, drifted to see. The next morning he said, you know how you tell me, um, I'm your teacher. And I said, yeah. He said, I'm his teacher too. Hmm. I said, you are. Wow. And he they just let that go. And that was it. 
And I, later on, I knew exactly how he was going to teach him because he's going to teach him through kindness. You know, and he's going to just let him take his time and come around. You're not going to believe this. Like by the end of the day, that man is eliciting a conversation, initiating a conversation with Naiman. And as an adult, I started feeling some sort of grudge come up, and I was like, "Well, you know, I wouldn't talk to you, or I would be." I wouldn't necessarily hold a grudge, but I would be like, dude, before we go any further, what the hell was that about? Right. You know, like coming to confronting that that was nonsense. Yeah, you know? calling him out on um, his but, shit. Right. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't have been about letting that go. And I thought, damn, man, you know, here he is not even caring or uh, maybe he cares, but it's not about acknowledging what was about that. It was just, you know, giving the time and space where it's needed to let that transformation happen, let it, let it move into the next thing. And by the time we left, that man was talking to him all about fishing and every day, you know, having a conversation with him, did you catch anything today? You know, did you go kayaking? Like just, just so, so, so amazing to witness. The left-hand side neighbor was two ladies, um, Susie and Teresa. And Susie, to me, felt like somebody I had known for a very long time. And she had just, Naylan had gone up to her and that back was turned to Naylan when Naylan came up to say hi. And when they connected and they saw each other, I don't know, something just happened. And she was like, oh, she was a, I want to call Sam call her fam like a family or like a friend but it doesn't define what it really felt like you know um she was such a lovely lovely lady and they had checked out just before we had checked out so they packed up their camp and as they were getting ready to leave we were in the camper and they knocked on the door and they came out and um they said we just wanted to say bye and uh Nayland, you know immediately went and gave her a hug and she said i love you and kissed him and just again my point in sharing this is what vulnerability does. It creates such safe places for us to be and experience the human side of our potentiality that um, it saddens me how we are living our lives in the absence of that vulnerability or as little vulnerability is something that is something to fear or distance or... Um, be concerned about to create barriers, you know, these fronts um, in front of us that constantly feel like, um, I don't know, uh, I don't know how to describe there, it. There's self-made so boundaries to, to keep ourselves safe. It's, it's a product of, yes. it's a product of unfortunately growing up and, and, and getting a lot of this, um, I, I'm not picking on the media, but I mean, Every single time you look at anything or hear anything about news or politics, or uh, it, it's all about fear. And we, as humans, are, are building these. Yes, dogs and children don't understand that. Right. No, dogs cannot make sense around that. There's so much confusion for them. And I think that that's when I, when I see even dogs, it all relates because they are so freaking utterly confused. This is not how they behave. This is not who they are. This is not how they exist in the world or have come to exist in all these thousands of years they have coexisted with humans, you know. 
this is so fucking confusing to them. Yeah. So I think the the conclusion we can draw from this, um, and and this was a really interesting topic to me too. So I, I think the conclusion we can draw as whether you're a doggo, a child, or an adult, getting dirty and playing in the mud can really help break the barriers down and the boundaries. And I, I think we all need to go get dirty and, and not worry about the cleanup. Mm-hmm. And yeah. wh- where are you off to next? I'm not there yet, so I don't know. Oh. Um, I'm in South Carolina right now. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, how long are you staying where you're at? Um, I think we are here three nights. I think um, often I normally don't check until I know that I'm not I'm every site I'm at it's either three or four so I normally don't check our next uh, destination until the second night. That's super cool. Well, I hope you all enjoy and and I love keep those pictures coming because whether you know it or not, you are telling those stories that Brian's asking you to tell. You're just telling them visually with uh, the, with a little sprinkle of of quotes that I was able to get from you. So, um, but really enjoyed this podcast and and I want to thank you so much for being um, patient with us too and finding a, a a great spot to have a conversation out there um, I know it's been a little challenging oh, to find the internet because he has a lot of editing to do with this background noise. <laughs> <laughs> Takeem's great so but uh, Tina where can people find more about Doglando and and kind of the good things happening there doglando.com or um, even our Facebook page right so Doglando. And until next time, I want to thank all of our uh, loyal listeners for listening, and we'd love it so much if you'd share Canine Connections with a friend. Uh, be sure to subscribe so you get notified of every new podcast, and Tina and I will be talking really, really soon. I want to, I want to learn more about the conversations Nayland's having with the folks that he's meeting, so I'm super interested in that. And, um, but Tina, so nice to see you, uh, and, and we do miss seeing you in the studio. Yes, likewise. Thank you. Thanks for uh, being with me on this journey as well.